Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer Podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my friend and co-host Ananga Sivier. Following on from last week's episode where we were talking about how springtime can help us nourish our mental and physical health, we're exploring the Ayurvedic body clock and how we can use this understanding of the energies at play at different times of the day to build a routine that helps calm anxiety. Hello, Ananga. Hey, Shan. It's good to be with you again for another episode and to learn more from you about the Ayurvedic body clock, because I know a little bit, but you are definitely the expert here. I don't know about expert, but it's something that's been very interesting and helpful to me. And since we were talking about routine recently on the podcast and healing routine, I thought it might be interesting to our listeners. So we've talked before about Ayurveda and the three different body types, Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. And if you're new to the podcast, please go through our archives on our website and have a listen if this is a subject that's interesting to you. We have lots of introductory discussions. So these three energies that affect us as as mind and body types, Vata, Pitta, Kapha, are also there in different timings in our life. They're there in different stages of our life. Kapha is childhood stage of life. If you think of kids with all that energy and beautiful squishy skin and shiny, abundant, fast-growing hair and beautiful eyes, that energy and beauty and, and stamina of children is from that Kapha time of life. And Pitta is the energy that governs us through our youth, through our career years, towards our retirement years. Pitta is a very dynamic energy. It's governed by the elements fire and water. So that's our career, study, achieving years. And then Vata comes in more in our autumn and winter years. And Vata has an energy of wisdom and detachment and meditative nature. So there's some wonderful properties available to us in Vata in our later years. It can also bring dryness and other things into the body as well. So it's helpful to know, along with our mind-body type that we have, how there are these different stages through the seasons of our life, but also in the 24-hour cycle, these energies come and go. When we know what energies at play, we can choose the activities that can help support our anxiety in that time of day. One thing for certain is that anxiety is fueled by change. And this is why creating a routine helps so much. When we can set our daily routines, look forward to what we've, what we've set, the decisions that we've made, and know and see and feel how it supports our mind and body, this makes such a big difference. And you might know that in your own life when you set something up and you know, for instance, you're going to have a morning walk and you have a very nutritious breakfast, or you make time on your lunch hour to do something that brings you joy or beauty or, or something in, be- in the middle of the workday, how you have those things to look forward to. When we don't have a routine, when we don't have those things in alignment, our mind can take over and 
It can come up with judgment. It can come up with uncertainty. It can put us in all kinds of interesting positions that are calmed by having a routine. Yeah, I think of it like anchoring, anchor points, grounding points. When we have different practices throughout the day that we know bring some peace and some steadiness to the mind. And it's interesting to observe how quickly it can go out of balance when we're not in the place of those routines. And I think looking at the different doshas and energies of the time and day really helps us see where they're particularly valuable. And also just being aware with anxiety that it has this awful push and energy to it that can really hijack our mind and take over our mind. And I think it's, it's something we've probably said a hundred times, but it helps me to keep hearing it. So I'm going to keep saying it, that it's really important to be able to look at what's changed when we feel anxiety escalating. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday who'd just been on a break and there was a water park there. So she jumped on this ride with an inner tube going down a fast slide with her partner. Her and I were having a really good laugh about this, how she jumped on this ride and it, it was dark and twisty and turny and she's just bouncing along on this like tire down this water chute. And then she shared that the next morning she almost had an anxiety attack. And she said, I know it was just too much, too much for her life airs, too much for that energy in the body, that vata got too scrambled and a little bit shocked. Not like a trauma, but you know, once you're on those things, you're on. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Until it ends, you can't get off and change it. But she's very self-aware and very, very good with self-care. So she had the humor about it, but then she knew what to bring into place the next day to feel more balanced, more comfortable. And the reason I'm sharing the story is if we don't have that awareness, we can think, I went on a break and I was having an okay time and out of nowhere I had an anxiety attack. But also, if you don't have that awareness, the beginnings of an anxiety attack can spiral into a full event. But if we do know and we can say, no, hang on, yesterday was a little bit much and I went on that thing and it was a bit jarring for me, so it's okay. Let's just breathe, do something grounding, let's do something gentle today. That awareness can protect us from a lot of spikes in our anxiety. Yeah, and a lot of additional suffering. Mm -hmm. it, that makes me think about recently I had to do a lot of driving and it's still winter where I live. And when I mean a lot of driving, I'm talking about like four different three-hour trips within three days. And that for me is a lot. Mm -hmm. And I got very crabby and very prickly. <laughs> Uh, on the, the return of the last trip and just didn't feel quite myself. And it wasn't an anxiety attack, but, but it was very much a change in my routine. And I didn't really enjoy it. I had to be white knuckled for part of it because of freezing rain. There, there were just things that came up and I knew what I needed to do. And I'm so grateful that I knew what I needed to do. I, well, I needed to first apologize to my husband for not being very kind. But also, <laughs> I needed to make sure that I could get warm and be comfortable and cocoon for a couple of days after all of that, mm -hmm. to, to better just to take care of myself so that I could unwind all of the energy around that. I, I think that's what you're saying when you 
Yeah, it's exactly what I'm saying because it's just so easy for us to think with anxiety because it's it's hovering on our shoulder all the time and then it starts to flare and we think, oh my God, you know, I'm going to have an episode. And we think it's got us in a happy time or, you know, it's come at us when we least expect it. And it's very easy then for us to start feeling apprehensive anxiety when we go on a break or when we go on a journey, rather than having that awareness of thinking, look, this was a bit much for me. That drive was a bit much for me. What do I need? Jumping on that ride was not what I expected. What do I need? Or I'm giving a lot to somebody else. What can I give back to myself to support myself? It's just that noticing and adjusting because anxiety seldom strikes out of nowhere. In fact, it doesn't. It doesn't strike out of nowhere. It has a tipping point. And if we can see and diffuse the build-up, we're going to have a much easier time with it. It gives us a lot more control and a lot more um, of a positive outlook, a lot more proactive input where we can think, okay, look, if I do this, I know I'm going to be a little out of balance, so how can I rebalance? And really, Ayurveda teaches that we have to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like sailing a ship on the ocean, you can't just jump in the boat and expect it to, if you're the captain, (laughs) you can't just jump on the boat and expect it to go where you need it to go. You've got to adjust yourselves to the wind. You've got to know how to read the stars. So Ayurveda is teaching us how to read our stars. What's my body type? What's my nature? What are the things that challenge me? And what are the things that help me get back in balance? And for me, living with anxiety, that's been priceless information. Hmm. After the break, we're going to be talking about the best timing for your daily activities to help you look after your body and mind. The Anxiety Slayer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. I've worked with a therapist at BetterHelp, and I've got to tell you, it was an excellent experience. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Anxiety Slayer listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash slayer. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash slayer. How can we learn how to be mindful of the best timing to support ourselves during our our day-to-day lives? Can you walk us through that? Early morning is Vata time, and Vata is ruled by the energies of air and ether. And that time under the the care, under the energy of Vata, runs from 2 to 6 a.m. So we might be having quite creative dreams at that time, interesting dreams at that time, as, as the mind has that boost of ethereal energy. It's the time when our sleep becomes lighter. And we prepare to wake up and start the day. 
The quiet hours before 6am are the perfect time for journaling, meditating and planning or visualising our day ahead. Vata has a very good um, spiritual boost to its energy, so it's very supportive for meditating and being introspective. Is this also why some creative types, like my daughter, like to be up in the middle of the night? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it certainly lightens our sleep. And most people that are spiritually inclined are certainly up. The recommended uh, time in in Ayurveda is the Brahma Mahurta hour, which is like a a period before sunrise. But if somebody's creative, then they're going to have more vata in their constitution anyway which can lighten their sleep. Vata people mm-hmm. tend to sleep more lightly. They can be prone to insomnia. And if that hits whirring and full of creativity, then yeah, they might find that at that time they, they wake up. And because the Vata mind has that lighter creative nature, the second it's awake, it can have the urge to, to be doing something rather than trying to, to get back to sleep. Interesting. And then the next time is kapha time, correct? 6 a.m. to 10 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good time to stretch and move our bodies, have breakfast, move into our day. It's um, recommended in Ayurveda, as I already said, that we wake before 6 a.m. and take advantage of that more conducive time for meditation and some creative planning, some aspiration. But the other reason for that is that when the energy shifts to kapha, it's harder to get up and get going which we'll explain that later when we talk about the evening kapha time. Kapha is made up of the energies of earth and water, so it's got that heavy, clay-like, dense energy to it. So when we oversleep, we're trying to wake up and get going in kapha time, and it's, it's harder to push against that energy. So waking early gives us a head start and time for reflection and some self-care before the world gets up and moving. And then 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is Pitta time. And this is the most dynamic energy period of the day. And this is when it's a good time for taking action, planning meetings, a really good time for focus. I notice in my business that almost everything I schedule with clients is between 10 and 2. And that was before even thinking about Pitta time or this episode. It just naturally, that's where it falls so that I have the the time in the morning to do what I need to do and to prepare uh, before I need to be on it, right? (laughs) On it and in it and the most focused with the uh, people I'm so grateful to work with. This is also when our digestion peaks around noon and when our metabolism is at its highest. So it's considered an ideal time to take your main meal of the day. So there's plenty of time to use that nutrition and digest your meal fully before the evening. Yeah, and that's something that we need to think about because often we can become sluggish or sleepy in the afternoon if we have a heavy meal at lunchtime. So it doesn't mean that our main meal of the day has to be heavy. It can be something easy to digest and nourishing so that we're not feeling really sluggish in the afternoon. I have to be careful before I meet you because when we meet to record the podcast, it's 3 p.m. UK time, which is not my prime time of day for thinking or 
speaking, so I have to be careful. And today I didn't have lunch before I met you because I knew I'd be droopy. So I've got a nice cup of tea and I've got something lined up for when we finish together. We couldn't have you droopy. No, well, we've had it before. (laughs) (laughs) And we will have it again. (laughs) I think think maybe we ought to switch up our regular time to meet so that we can get you in the the pitta time. Well, that's, that's the thing. You and I are operating on different time zones, so... Yeah. Uh, I'm over in Vata by the time we meet and you're, you're clicking into pitta time. So you're on it and organized and, and ready to go. But it's interesting. It's interesting to notice these, these energies at play. And it's interesting to me that you naturally organize your workday between 10 and 2 because you know it's your most productive time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so lunch, it's just easier to digest when our metabolism's up. That's pitta time. Pitta's um, very much to do with digestion and transformation in the body. But if we've got things to do in the afternoon, even though it might be our our bigger or main meal of the day, it shouldn't be such a a heavy meal. But the, the reason it's considered a good time is because the digestive fire is up and active, and then we have plenty of time to use that nutrition and digest our meal fully before the evening. And then that moves into vata time again, which is from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And this is a good period of time to communicate with others or socializing. It's a good time also for meetings and, and some light movement to help digest the lunch that you just had so that you don't feel too spaced out or sluggish in the afternoon. I find it interesting that Ayurveda recommends we have our last meal no later than 6 p.m. And my body naturally wants dinner right at 6. And if it's much later than that, it's kind of interesting what happens with my mind and body, and it just feels like it's too late. So when I learned this, I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm still eating most of my dinners around six, but definitely noticing that I'm much happier when I do that than when I don't. Yeah, over the years, I've made my evening meals earlier and earlier and really lightened them up. Sometimes they're really quite, quite small. Along with Ayurveda's advice, there's a lot of uh, more recent advice coming to the fore now about intermittent fasting and I know for my body, it really helps me to not eat later than six and then to take my breakfast around eight. Um, That gives my body a really good break from digesting. And then when I eat my breakfast, I know it gets processed well. So that's something that's kind of observed more recently as a recommendation, but it fits nicely with Ayurveda. And as we move through the timeline, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is kapha time. At dusk, we move back into kapha time. And this is the time for slowing down, family time, reading, preparing for sleep. It's a good time for bathing if you take, like to take a warm bath or enjoy a warm drink of almond milk and nutmeg that we've talked about over and over and over again because it is so nice and helpful to both get to sleep and stay asleep. This is also a time where if you can keep away from screens, it's really a good idea. And I realize a lot of us like to watch our shows and things in the evening. But if you can even have 
a day or two that you don't, that you take a break from that and you replace screens with reading or some relaxation, meditation to switch up your routine a bit. If you've fallen into the, okay, it's nine o'clock and it's time to watch Netflix or, or what have you. Sometimes no screen time is going to be the best choice. And then going to sleep by 10 p.m. is that magic hour for kapha energy, which is really supportive for good sleep and restoration. I'm here to say that that is absolutely true. When I get to bed by 10, I feel so much better than when I push it and stay up later than that. Yeah, we we need to try and catch that kapha wave that's really helpful for sleep as much as we can. We've all got different responsibilities and routines, so we can just tweak what we can of what we're talking about here. There's always something we can adjust that's going to be helpful to us. If you need to watch something in the evening, then just try and have a, an earlier cutoff time where you can read something inspiring, perhaps apply some essential oils, take a warm bath or shower and just have that wind down time before sleep, practice a guided meditation. If we try and go straight from a screen to sleep, it will disturb our sleep or, or delay it. And then the last time to share with you today is from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., which again cycles back to Pitta time. And this is the time when our body goes into deep rest and assimilation. It's a time when we may be actively dreaming. And people of this nature, of the Pitta nature, who stay up past 10, often find that they get a second wind at this time. And I used to be one of those people. And I would feel like I I had this desire to create or achieve or make something happen, but then could get frustrated and even irritable if if I stay up too late. You know, it would definitely affect the next day. I had to dial that back little by little until I could get into a routine where I was getting to bed at a, at a nice time to, to treat my body to some good rest. Yeah, and to invest in tomorrow knowing that we'll perform better tomorrow because it is all yeah. about performance <laughs> if, right. we, if we're taking care of ourselves today. But it's really interesting to observe. This is my favorite thing of the body clock, to observe this 10 p.m. switch to pitter time because it's very easy to skip over that kind of deadline, Ayurvedic deadline of getting to bed. and it's really fascinating to observe pitta people that go into that pitta energy, um, how they can get riled up, frustrated. It's um, a common thing for them to start arguing with domestic appliances or they just get hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and really, they, they need to be in bed. They just need to be in bed. They can also get hungry again if they're up too late. They, they feel that they need to eat again, and that's really not a healthy pattern to get into because that taxes our digestion and then we can have heartburn or different you know, conditions of acidity in our digestion. So, yeah, pitta people need to really chill out in the evening, relax, get to bed, know that you'll give it your best tomorrow, but don't stay up and argue with the fridge. <laughs> I love that so much. That's <laughs> so spot on. Thank you for the conversation today, Ananga. I'm absolutely certain that the more of our listeners who understand the Ayurvedic body clock, the better off they're going to be in learning how to calm anxiety and 
learning how to just be mindful of of when their activities are happening and how they might be able to adjust them and to just make these little tweaks for a, a little bit more calm and relaxation. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. We have a special offer for you this month on our How to Calm Your Fragile Mind course, where you can save $25. We often receive questions in our inbox asking us to teach more about working with unwanted thoughts and painful emotions, and also receive regular requests for more information on Ayurveda and its teachings on calming the mind. The How to Calm Your Fragile Mind course is the course where we go in depth into both subjects. For this month only, for the month of March, you can save $25. Visit anxietyslayer.teachable.com and look for How to Calm Your Fragile Mind. You don't need a coupon code. We have already worked the discount into the price, so you can take a look at the course and see if this is something that might be a good fit for you. Thanks again for listening.